Okay. Hi, I'm Drew. My pronouns are he, him, his. I am a pediatrician with a large transgender medicine practice. And I am Lizette. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I am a mother of a soon-to-be 13-year-old transgender child, advocate, Yikes. and small business owner. And this, wow. I know. And this is I Stand By You. With Lizette and Drew. Together we talk about allyship. Building community. And showing up for one another. Welcome. Welcome to our extrasode. Record. Good morning. Good morning. Happy extrasode. Happy extrasode. <laughs> We're here. Surviving. <sighs> Oh, so we decided to throw in an extra sode because there is so, so, so much going on right now uh, <laughs> that there were things we were having conversations about that um, it seemed like might really be worth talking about here. Yeah, I completely, completely agree. There's been so much. I'm, I think I'm still processing everything. And... <laughs> As soon as I think I've processed, I'm processing something, then something else comes up, and yeah, there's no way to keep up. Oh. I yeah, mean... if anyone, if anyone has not seen the YouTube video of the woman, uh, she's a Canadian, a Canadian comedian, talking to her January self, and then her June self talking to her April self, absolutely worth seeing. We'll have to share it on the on the. On our Facebook page. Yes. Because I, it's, it's happy and sad all at once. I literally wanted to cry and laugh all at the same time. Because I yes. feel like that's been 2020. <laughs> like, just sprinkled with joy and deep, like deep sadness. I so. completely thought that the wildfires last year were last year. And they're not. They were this year. Yeah. Australia, South America burning in ways they'd never burnt and yet here we are and bighorn here in tucson oh yeah We've got a fire here yeah mm -hmm. yeah and zombies yeah daniel oh wait no we don't have zombies I'm... that's next <laughs> <laughs> that's what daniel just said so we were driving down we were driving home last night and um drove down congress and the bars were full of people without masks good good and Daniel was like, oh, great. Here come the zombies. <laughs> yep. Yep. So in case, so for anyone listening to this, we are recording this on Sunday, June, I don't know, 14th, 14th. So, you know, by the time someone hears this on Monday or Tuesday, there may have been 10 other things that happened in the world there that we're not even talking about. There may really be zombies by Tuesday. Yes. Yes, I and I wouldn't bat an eye. <laughs> um, so one of the things I had wanted um, for us to kind of discuss is um, the we went to a uh, Black Lives Matter um, University of Arizona Black Student Union celebration vigil protest um, last weekend, mm -hmm. um, and. 
And I'm going to say up front, I don't know exactly how to talk about this. And I don't want anyone, I don't want this to be performative. I don't want people to hear what I really, some of the stuff I really want to talk about related to white fragility and think like, oh, wow, it's so great you're talking about this. What I'd like them to do is, what I really want is I, I made some mistakes and I learned from them and I kind of would like people to hear that journey to figure out their own journeys. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, so the, the rally last weekend, um, it was hot. It was it, hot. It was COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was for me downtown. So that's, a, I mean, I had to drive 20 full minutes. <laughs> um, and so I was not, fully inclined to go to start with but um fortunately my husband said we should go right um and we all went there and um do you want to talk a little bit about you know the speakers and stuff yeah so they had blm speakers and youth speakers yeah one uh one of them uh does uh anti-blackness training or is that what it's called um Anti-racism training. Anti-racism. Thank you. Anti-racism training in town. Um, And they had musicians. And you're right. It was like 102 degrees. Um, And everyone was was wearing masks. So it wasn't like in the bar that we drove past last night. Everyone was wearing masks and trying to be responsible um, and show solidarity. Yeah. Um, Lots of great signs, great mm-hmm. T-shirts. There was a lot of um, there was a lot of signs regarding Black trans lives. Yeah, um, yeah. There were a lot so... of signs also about I, the ones which I feel like moved me the most, talking about George Floyd calling for his mother. Yeah, because um, that's one of those pit things I can really see myself in. Mm-hmm. But if I if I were ever however unlikely it is I would ever be in that situation. Um, that is something I can imagine coming out of my lips. And I think too that the, and this is something that the speakers said over and over again, was that they were really angry because TPD and UAPD had shown up, right. like had shown up and had tried to like create a strong presence and they had to fight with the U of A like an hour or two before the event to get them off campus. Yes. And so I think there was like frustrations in that clearly. And then anger because of the situation that we are still in as a country with regards to racism and um, people having to fight for dignity and respect. Yep. And... So, you know, I think that that's kind of that. Sets so tensions were running high. I think so. Yes. Um, I mean, and, and you had talked about how a couple nights before you hadn't been able to get home because the police were saying, we don't know where you live. We don't know who's safe to let in. Yeah. 
and not even trying to facilitate your, you getting to your house. No. And so people are having experiences like that. I have to say, and I was standing there in the crowd, there was a drone that all of a sudden appeared and appeared to be circling over the crowd. Um, and then it took off away from the crowd um, that a lot of people noticed. Yeah. Um, there was a couple people walk through who I and I, I, I started looking for these things because I hadn't before, who I thought I saw either handcuffs or zip ties in their back pockets, mm. um, which and I'm sure undercover police were there. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine they wouldn't have been. Right. Um, and so I so so we're there and it's tense and um. I'm all like, but you're here. You're showing up. This is great. <laughs> um, and the speakers were not there for that. No. No. They were not. They did not pat me on the head for coming. <laughs> it's hard to hear that, though. It is really hard. Mm-hmm. And they were saying very specific things like, we know a lot of you are going to leave here and go back and have coffee on the corner with a cop, um, which is a Tucson thing where you can meet the cops in your neighborhood over coffee. And I've never gone to it. I didn't because... know this was a thing, but this just goes to tell you how I don't pay attention sometimes. I, well, you have to explain also, this to me because I didn't know about this. You're downtown. I'm in the suburbs. Okay. So that's the difference, I think. But uh, they were saying it was like downtown businesses hosting this, which I was alarmed by. Oh, I'm but. sure they are. Yeah, and it's where people are supposed to come and have, you know, have a cup of coffee and talk about the crime, and I'm using air quotes right now, issues that they see and things like that. Like talk about um, the crime issues they see, like, like, is that your opportunity to complain to a police officer? That's, yes. That stresses me out. <laughs> But this go. I mean, I mean, mm. it does not stress Karen out. No, it doesn't. Karen and Chad are not stressed by that, and they will go and talk about stuff. Oh goodness. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was like, "What is that?" And not that yeah. I do live downtown, but I think, you know, I, I, I create a bubble sometimes, and I, I think it it goes to my um, introverted extrovertedness. Um, and I, I tunnel vision. And so I felt when they were talking about this, I was like, I, I didn't even realize or know that was happening. Um, and so and it, it gave me another layer it, of something to think about. And it actually, I would say in a bigger picture thing, if we were defunding the police and had coffee on the corn on the corner with a city representative who could find after school programs for kids who are running around outside or could find a rehab program for someone who is stumbling drunk and threatening people. Um, There are all sorts of great things that could come out of that, Mm -hmm. but it's where we put police to do all this work that they are not trained to do. No. Um, and so, I mean, I, in concept, that's good, but they were all saying this stuff and I'm sitting there thinking, I don't do that. 
And then they're like, and you know, a lot of you are here now when someone dies. Where are you the rest of the time? Mm -hmm. Why aren't you showing up on just a day-to-day basis helping us out? Um, How many of you have, you know, you see something racist and you just kind of let it go? Um, Or you turn to your black friends and colleagues to take care of it? Um, And I'm sitting there like, I didn't do that. I don't do that either. Uh Uh-uh, I don't do that. Um, and I was, and I actually was thinking, I just want you to call me out on something I don't do. Right. (laughs) Because that's your job. Right. Um, As the person here who is feeling as though your life is threatened, your job is to figure out what it is I'm not doing and tell me about it. Right. (laughs) And I, and you know, after like an hour and a half, I was like, it's hot. I'm feeling insulted. Um, I think I'm ready to go. Right. Um, and so we left. Um, and I was, and afterwards at first, I have to say I was really upset and I was like, I feel like I'm in a no win situation here. I feel like the things they were saying were borderline abusive Mm -hmm. And, and I was like, and why would someone say that? What would their end game be? Um, and it took me a little while to think about it and realize, like, like how many times I, I've seen something on Facebook that says, you know, men are horrible to women. And I don't respond, well, not me. In fact, it barely crosses my mind. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, men suck. Um, and yet here I am hearing this and I personalized it. Yeah. I personalized it too. Yeah. I won't let that land just on you. I was like, Whoa. Um, and I personalized it too. And before we started recording this, I was like, I told you, I need to like not personalize things all the time because I am showing up. And I think that that goes to like, You know, for those of us that do, I think, grassroots work and organizing, we feel spread thin. And then we know that there are things that we don't participate in. Yes. Because there's not enough, like, of me. And I feel guilty. To do that work. I feel guilty about that. And I feel, so do I, right? Like, I've I've gotten a lot of messages in the last couple weeks that are like, Lizette, you have a voice and you need to help me on this. And then I'm like, oh. How do I add that to the things I'm doing? Can I like my, add that? My voice is strained right now. Uh, can I do that? <laughs> and then you feel like an asshole because the reality is, is that we're we're all moving towards social justice. Right. We all need that to happen. And it and and like I've said before, if we don't bring the most marginalized, we none of us are going to get there. Um, yeah. But at the same time, too, I also reflected on like. Why do I, why am I personalizing it? I, maybe I got some work to do. I feel like, and this goes into like, kind of like when I was trying to explain to you that documentary and there was a part of me that knew because I told you, oh, I hate to ask you if you've seen this gay thing. Remember I told you? (laughs) And because I saw this documentary about a scream queen's the scream queen thing and it was all around this. And, but then I told you, well, I mean, I guess it was like light and 
And then I said it and I knew it. And I was like, I am the worst ally ever. Because the reality is, is that diminishing the impact of discrimination or racism in any way, even in describing it as light or even in feeling uncomfortable, because you and I talk about we need to be uncomfortable. And there yeah. we were we were being uncomfortable and we didn't know what to do with those feelings. Right. And so. Yeah. And so I think that that's the process of allyship because we're going to mess up and we're going to be we're we're going to. And this is what I told you earlier. It's like human beings innately are kind of selfish. And so I'm only looking at things through my experiential lens. And I have to remind myself to to broaden my perspective to include yes. the people around me. Well, and, and I also, do you know what I started thinking about when I was hearing? So I'm hearing people on the stage who are angry and it's sounding to me like they're angry with me, even though I'm helping. And I'm like, so what is their goal here? And then the way, the place I got near the middle to end of the week is I started thinking, how bad would things have to be for me to get up on a stage in front of people and be that raw and angry? How bad would it have to be? Right. And it, it would have to be pretty bad. Unless, unless I am willing to say all of those people up there, one after another, are all whining and it's not really true, which I do not believe. Right. I was like, wow. It would, things are so much worse than I even know. Right. I think that I know. I think I'm all hip and woke and stuff. But then I look at it and I'm like, how upset would I have to be to do that? And because no, you know what? Nobody, especially there are like people up there who are like music performers and stuff like that. They want to get up and perform. Right. They don't want to get up there and be yelling at people to finally pay attention to them and, you know, come out and do work. Right. Um, and so I was like, oh, maybe it's not about me. <laughs> um and just realizing, like, the the depth of what's going on that's even – and how much work I have to do to understand even a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. um, I also was listening to – I love – I've talked about Pod Save the People before. I absolutely love the podcast. teaches me new stuff all the time. And one of the hosts from there, I think it was Brittany Cunningham, um, she was on another podcast talking about allyship. And she said, and I think this is so important to remember, is that a person can't really call themselves an ally. Yeah. That being called an ally is a title of respect that's, that's given, given to, to you, you by other people. Yeah. 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 Um, and so when I'm sitting there thinking all like, yeah, I'm a really good ally. Why are you mad at me? That's really not what allyship is about. Mm -hmm. um, it's taking myself out of the picture um, in that situation. And I know I'm going to mess this up. I love being patted on the head and told I'm great. I love it. <laughs> I will admit that. <laughs> um, and it, 
And so that is sometimes my motivation on things. Um, and I'm working really hard on not doing that. KG wrote, uh, wrote something really powerful on Instagram because this is where I fall, where my ego uh-huh. shows up which is wanting to be a good wanting to be seen as a good person. Yes. Um and the discomfort of knowing that really like to be a good person is to to make good choices and actions that help the people around you. Um and so I mean everyone has an ego, we're all driven by it. I mean, we all have those parts of us that show up in ways we don't want. And uh, when I read that comment about like wanting to believe you're a good person and that and that being really important, I was like, yeah, I don't I don't want to be that person. And I know that there are parts of me that are like that. And I have to work really hard so that that isn't my motivating factor. So that my motivating factor is of love and, you know, and and true, true allyship and wanting to be there. Yes. And, and wanting, to, wanting to live in a better world. Yes. Yes. That's better for everyone and may have some things that aren't quite as good for me. Yeah. And that, not only that, too, but I think, I think, you know, I was watching this um, interview the other day and they were asking, it was Watch What Happens Live. <laughs> With Andy Cohen. Oh my gosh, this is going to be so deep. (laughs) No. But he was interviewing um, the Real Housewives of Atlanta woman and an an activist. Um, Portia? Yeah, Portia, but an other community activist. And the community activist, I'm so bad with names. I say this all the time. I'm sorry. It's too Uh much. But he said, like, some, he said, when you're living in a racist world, a lot of times you don't even realize that you're encountering racism until years later. And there has been an evolution in my life where like, I understood the microaggressions that I experienced if they were blatant. And there were some that it's taken my whole life. I'm 40, so not, not too long, but long enough to be like, oh, that's what that meant. And yeah. unraveling that. And I think that we're all in the process of that, right? Of understanding the world that we live in and the, and the internal motivations of why things are. Yeah. So, you know, even in our last interview, I told you that I, I was still processing so much yeah. of what was happening. And I, I was feeling so much anger myself. Um, yeah. And... I can't tell you how many times I've cried about all the things that are happening in the world. And I, we forgot to say, which is the thing we've been chanting to each other and on every social media platform is that, yes, Black Lives Matter. And yes, I think when you and I were hot and probably a little dehydrated because Daniel was like five shades redder than normal. Um, <laughs> and listening to this anger... And feeling uncomfortable because here we are trying, but that's not right. the point, right? And right. so, oh, and I'm com- I'm very comfortable with my own anger, yeah, and being angry at things, which I usually am. Yeah. But hearing someone else's anger, which is even partially directed at me, 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get that. Yeah. And it was hard. And two, I think like, I've just had so many hard conversations. I didn't know what to do with all of it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to do about all of it. Jose's like, you know, why aren't we protesting? Where are the rest of the protests? We've been trying to figure out where the other ones are in town. I um, have too. And um, I think feeling inept. Yeah. I think I left feeling inept in that moment yes. of like, I don't know how to fix this. And, it, and you know, this is where I had a talk with one of my good friends and we were talking about, um, I might've shared it on the last, on the last interview that we did, <laughs> but she was just saying, um, cause I told her, I, I watched that Obama speech and I wish that he would have shown up in a unifying way. And I felt like, I didn't get what I wanted. And she said, it's that time when she said, maybe we don't need one unifying voice, but a lot of little voices leading the way because small voices can have big impacts. And um, I think that, I think that where I felt inept leaving that space and feeling like it's such a big job ending systemic racism and ending defunding police creating new community programs doing all these things are huge endeavors and who is going to step up and do them how are we going to step up and help if it's not a one person who will because it also feels overwhelming with the fact that we we don't have a president that is willing to unify and right. calm the chaos and like and maybe we don't want to calm the chaos right maybe we keep protesting and so there's all this discomfort and sadness and then rage and then also too every time i turn on the news and i see people in the streets i'm so grateful for them yes and so yeah. there's all these competing feelings that I can only imagine we all are kind of going through. Yep. Um, well, and, and we're having them and at the same time seeing what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like you mentioned this, the Watch What Happens Live, and you have Portia on there. And that was, what night was that, do you think? I think it was Wednesday night. Wednesday night. So she's in Atlanta, obviously. She's a real housewife of Atlanta. <laughs> um, and within a couple of days after that, we have someone shot and killed in Atlanta because they passed out in their car in the drive-through lane at Wendy's. Yeah. Something which I can guarantee you, I and friends of mine in college, and probably a huge percentage of white college boys have either done or been really have either done it or been really close to doing during their college careers. Yeah. And none of them got shot. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that's, and that's happening at the same time. And then the police chief resigns. Um, and, and there's huge protests again. And 
it's one more thing we're processing or in the middle of last week when we find out that two more black trans women were murdered. Yeah. And it's just thing after thing after thing. And I'm like, how do I process this? What do I do with it? And then I have to stop also though and think if I were a black person or a black, a black trans woman, black trans man, and I'm seeing this stuff I already have this baseline of anger, fear, et cetera, because of the way the world is towards me. And then you throw this on top of it. Mm -hmm. (sighs) I seriously wanted to drive out to LA and give the amazing Blossom a hug. Um, After having, I mean, seeing that she was out like working on getting um, all Black Lives Matter painted onto a street in LA where there's going to be a protest. Yeah. Um, and I just want to be like, I want to give you a hug. I want, I want there to be a safe space in this world where you can just be yourself. And yeah. that's not a political thing. Ugh. Yeah, I, I've called and checked in on her. And I, too, I was like, if I could reach through the phone and hug you, I would. Um, so, Blossom, if you're listening to this, we are sending you virtual hugs. And everyone else it. listening, send a virtual hug to Blossom. Yeah. But, you know, what you you mentioning Blossom, too, is like a lot of people were like, thank you, Lizette, for being an ally on the CNN town hall. And... And I think about that moment and I'm like, I have to keep showing up in that way all the time. Yeah. It can't be like a one-off. It has to be me showing up all the time. And so, you know, I've been working hard on making sure that I show up for the people in my life and proximity or people who are far away, people that I can be in contact with to say, I'm here, I'm I'm in solidarity. I'm with you. But I think Kristen in the last episode said something like you have to be committed to the struggle that is every day. Yeah. And that sounds tiresome. Oh, a lot of that is boring, too. And and I was like, no, yeah, it's tiresome. (laughs) But that's the work, right? Like, if I really care about this issue, that is the work. And I can't tell myself, well, I'm doing all this other organizing and so I'm too tired for like no I have to do it all the time and I have to be committed to it to the struggle and really show up and that's been something I've been really 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 processing and all of this and how do I show up in what ways do I show up what are the most effective and impactful ways that I can with my energy and my time um and I still have a lot of learning to do. And I don't mean learning on racial issues. Like, I, in that aspect, I feel like, if anything, I have internal ego check stuff that I got to work out. And, like, things that I got – ego check, I mean, like, like making sure that I don't put myself in the situation or, like, or making sure that it's not about, like, how if I'm a good person or not. But, like, ego check stuff, right? Yeah. What I need to learn about is what does defunding the police mean? What, uh-huh. um, like, what is, because I really don't understand the, um, 
I don't understand the uh, criminal justice system. Yeah. And understanding what that means. Because I, I, as an ally, I need to know what that means. I know the history of how the police started. Um, but I don't know, like, the ins and outs of it. I know that there is a disproportionate rate of um, black and brown people who are incarcerated. I know that school systems are seen as a pipeline in. My sister is an educator and has talked to me at length about how that is a reality that many teachers struggle with and trying to be um, a source of support for their students to ensure that that doesn't happen. Um, And so, you know, I think, and not only that, but like even I as a Chicanx person didn't understand the immigration system until I married somebody who was in the middle of their immigration process, right? And so a lot of it is just learning and being in proximity to people who are experiencing that and listening to them and trying to do the best with what we have and where we where we are and what we can you know but it's a lot to process all the time and learning so much stuff yeah um but yeah i mean on the and on the defund the police thing the thing that's crazy is i think one of the challenges there is that defund started to mean something different in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. where like the government wanting to, well, the last three and a half years, definitely let's defund PBS. That means we stop funding them altogether. Um, and they have to get stuff other ways. It used to mean you defund things would be, you'd decrease funds. Like, you know, you buy less fancy food so that you can drive a better car. Mm. Um, and um, so, I mean, I love this idea of figuring out who actually should be handling all those specific things that people call 911 about. Because mm. 99% of them, you do not need a badge and a gun. Yeah, no. Um, I, I am one of those people that's afraid of the police. Yeah. Um, I've told you about this over and over again. And yeah. um so having to be in constant proximity the last two week, week or the last week when we had the curfew was so stressful. I can't even tell you. It was so <laughs> it was so stressful to have to constantly like interact. Um, yeah. And upsetting. I mean, you know, I would. Um, yeah, it's just I don't know, and a lot of that comes from like. When Jose was, um, when Jose was like on his, had a work visa when we were first early married, being worried about him getting pulled over. I remember I would like make him call me as soon as he got to where he needed to go. Right. To tell me he was there. So I think, I think people don't even realize, I don't think we realize, and I know that, um, black people feel the same way. We don't realize that we're carrying that tension with us all the time. Uh And Jose will tell you like. I forget that I'm a U.S. citizen sometimes. And so if well, a cop yeah. is behind me, I, I, I get worried and I'm making sure that I'm doing all the right things. 
And then I have to remind myself that I'm a U.S. citizen, but is that even enough in these moments, right? Um, yep. And so I, I think we forget all the tension we carry around police officers. Um, and so, yeah, I need to learn more about that. And two, like, I, I was, I'm in a book club now, and we're reading the book by um, Abram X. Kendi, um, that's called Stamped, and it's like the history of racism and race in in the world in America, but also like where the origins of racism came from. Okay. And I was telling them in the book club that we had, like, we had a we met on Zoom last Sunday, and I was like, we don't even question why things are like so much of the world. We don't even question why things are like. I was telling them, we are always like, why does America have a tip system? That seems so stupid. <laughs> We're the only country with a tip system. And then when you learn about how the tip system was post-slavery Jim Crow, and it was uh-huh. a way to ensure that black freed slaves didn't have, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, living wage. Right. Um, and I'm like, why didn't we ever question that before? Like, <laughs> this is a system that could be easily changed. Um, right. And so I we'd think, have to pay a little more for our food. Yeah, and not a lot more. And so that, and so I to round back to this tension that we carry. I think sometimes we're so busy with life or busy with trying to get ahead or in cap existing in capitalism that we don't question the systems in place. And that's the thing I'm most grateful for in this moment is that regardless of whatever discomfort I feel like we're questioning why things are all of us, it feels like a collective reckoning of like, why, why does this exist and how do we change it? So I think that's the silver lining, too, in all of this is like really looking deeply as to why things exist. Why do the police exist? How did they come to be? Um, What does systemic racism mean? What does it look like? And and what parts do we play? Because we all play a part. Um, It's been hard. Yeah. And I'm trying to find... So this is interesting. So I, there was someone who had a, um, a sign at the protest we were at um, about how the budget for the police um, is about $200 million in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, the total budget is $1.3 billion. But the truth is what you have to actually look at. I just learned this the other day is the general fund budget, which is $550 million. And what does that general fund do? That is general fund is let's see, public safety and judicial services, um, I'm reading it off the Tucson website here. Community enrichment and development, parks and recreation, planning and development, transportation, housing, community development, elected and official functions, support services, human resources, information technology. And it's mm-hmm. in general uh, government, fee waivers on behalf of low-income housing, transit system, Tucson Convention Center. So... Out of $550 million, 
200 million of it is going to police and courts. Hmm. What if we were, so in the defunding thing, what if we were spending more of that on the transit system and the housing system and the parks and recreation system um, and less of it on, we could very easily spend less of it on the police system if the police were allowed to just be police. Yes. Um, this was one of those things I hear, I heard a bunch of, um, and I think that in a lot of places, and it may be true in Tucson, I am not well-versed in it enough, but in a lot of places, um, the police needs, it needs to be like it was in Camden, New Jersey, where they fired everyone. And then it's not, and, and people are like, oh, and then they didn't have police. And I heard an interview with the chief of police there and he's like, no, that's, and so they fired everyone and then they rehired but using a system of looking at this is what our new structure is. Um, and so they decreased their funding. Yes, they still have police around for violent, you know, for someone who attacks someone right. for, you know, things like that. But they, even in those situations, um, their use of force has decreased incredibly since they totally restructured. The problem is when we say restructure, usually what we mean, um, I feel like in our, our system right now, is we move the deck chairs around on the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> um, when actually we just need to, we need to build a new boat. Yeah. yeah. Um, and A safer one. And it's bigger. Yeah. It can fit everyone. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because I mean, we do things. I mean, here in here in Arizona, we like for my example of this that I always use is the Department of Children's Services, which about every five years goes through a oh no, we're not really serving children because tons of children in the system shouldn't be there, or they're getting abused, or they're you know in house in their own homes where they're being abused, but they don't get removed, and on and on and on, and so they change the name. Yeah. And so it's Department of Family Services and then Department of Children Services and then Department of Children and Family Services. And you're like, okay, you need to stop changing the name. Yeah. Just build a new boat. Um, so I don't know. I, I think we totally have gone off the rails here. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the going off the rails section. About exercise? <laughs> I mean, but I feel like... I feel like appreciative of this conversation because I think we're all in it, right? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I mean, it's going to, it's, we're going to need like another, like 2021 is going to be the year where we like process what happened in 2020 because my mind exploded yesterday when I realized that November was five months away. Yeah. And five months is like a blink. And um, we're going to need like a whole other year to be like, what did 2020 mean? Yep. Um, Oh, oh, you want to hear something crazy that I heard the other day that I had not thought of in terms of political terms? Yeah. It is less time since the Iowa caucus. Um, Like that was four months ago. And then the election is five months away. So we still have that much more time to go. Like February. What's been happening since February? I don't even know. It feels it's like, like a everything. Yeah. yeah. 
It feels yeah. like a lifetime. Murder hornets. <laughs> Murder hornets. <laughs> I couldn't stop laughing in that video when she checks her phone and is like, monkey steals COVID was it yes. vials from laboratory? <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds about right. I was like, oh, that was my reaction when I saw it. Yeah, oh, I was yeah. like, this can't be real. And I was like, oh, wait, it is real. Yeah, it's real. And I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I would have been more surprised if it was horses. <laughs> but I still would have believed it. <laughs> but I'm also, now, like, really inspired by young people and how convicted they are mm -hmm. in pushing for change and like all change like i told yes. you when i went to that sit-in with the u of a black lives matter um and they started chanting um black trans lives matter i was mm -hmm. like oh this is beautiful like this i like i'm not even as cool as these people who are yeah. like so aware of social justice and what that means. Like, you know, right. I'm in awe of them. I want to be like them. <laughs> the way they navigate intersectionality yes. is amazing to me that they, the youth I'm seeing with their activism, it's not just lip service of, we want, you know, we want one person with darker skin and we want someone who's gay and we want someone who's trans and we want someone on a wheelchair on our panel. It's we want to all embody the beliefs of all of these people in one place. Yeah. I um, live at intersectionality point at a point of intersectionality. And I feel like I'm. Like, I'm like, you, you are all so incredible. Like, I want to be like you because even I'm not there yet. I feel like it's a generational thing. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And I learned so much. Like, I mean, and this is where the ageism thing, you know, I think falls away for those of us who want to be allies is that we can look at younger people and say, like, I'm in awe of you and that you can see that before I do. And I want to be that person who can see that gap. Yeah. And and want a better place, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I speak Definitely. to a lot of people who will shut young people out. And I'm like, don't shut them out. Listen to them. They're Can we talk wise. about one specific incredible young person who we know? Yeah. Who are we talking about? <laughs> What's that? Oh, <laughs> I'm all, who are we talking about? <laughs> He might even be in your living room right now. He's in his room right now. Um, so I, it, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, although I actually can't find a copy of People Magazine anywhere on my side I of town. I one. I bought 20. Okay, good. <laughs> um, that your family was featured in People's first coming out episode. Issue. Yeah. Episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, the first issue. And... Um, Daniel is so articulate in describing who he is mm -hmm. in the world in ways I could never have done at his age. I'm kind like, of in awe of him. He's super uh, cool. He is. I mean, I'm sure he has his days, but... Uh, <laughs> Hello. 
I seriously, like, when I was, is he 12 now or 13? He's going to be 13 in August. Okay, when I was 13, I was, all, I had so little idea of who I was. All I wanted to be was like the people around me. Same. Like, I, can I wanted to be them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, um, and his, the closing quote of the article is the thing I really love the most, where he's like, being trans is such a small part of me. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so true. I mean, it's so true of all of the kids who I see who like, it's often the least interesting thing about them. Yeah. There's so many, I mean, there are things they are passionate about, about art and, you know, social justice or a sport or, you know, things that are just so much more interesting to talk about. Um, and that it's, it's just such a small part of overall who they are. Um, now, I know you really struggled with whether or not to do the article. Yeah, so we've struggled a lot with how out we are going to be. Um, because at first Daniel didn't want to be out. He he was very he was very forceful in the beginning at saying you will be my face and you can be out, but I don't want to be photographed or shown on any videos. Mm-hmm. Um and as he's gotten older, and met other youth advocates who he's become friends with. Um, he's been like, oh, kind of inspired by them and want, and, and then more adamant about showing himself. Um, and so, yeah, at first he was like, no. But when the people came up and we were asked to do it, and I asked him, he... This was exactly what he told me. I was like, hey, Daniel, we've been asked to come out in People Magazine. It's kind of a big deal because they've they've had an online pride um, section for June. But this is the first time they're going to print a magazine dedicated to pride. And it's going to go across all 50 states. And Daniel was like, yes, without even blinking. And I was like, hey, um, but... <laughs> Let's do you want to talk some more? And his he has a, a friend named Jacob uh, LeMay. Um, uh-huh. And Jacob was the little boy and the CNN town hall who talked to Elizabeth Warren. Uh, he uh-huh. went viral. Um, and he's like, Mom, do you think Jacob really wants to be on TV? He does it because it matters. And yeah. I was like, OK, OK, fair enough. Um, so we said, OK. Um, And then I was stressed because, you know, and I think I told you about this. There's a very specific way that that people who are not parents or not advocates for trans youth, a very specific way they want to hear a story. Um, And they and how coming out stories are. And then I tell you that I always have my trans agenda because in my mind, I'm always thinking how to move progress forward. Right. Um, And so. You know, I get annoyed with the, but what if he changes his mind question, um, which is like always a question and unnecessary. Um, 
And so that becomes the struggle when you choose to do something like this, because you know that there's an angle that they want, and then there's an angle that you want. <laughs> and how do you marry the two? I don't think uh -huh. I won in this one. Um, but, you know, I hope that our visibility will create some impact. I, I have gotten like two or three messages, a few messages from mothers of POC children, Latinx children or um, Pacific Islanders who have uh -huh. said like your visibility matters to me. Um, and so that made me happy because I think that if anything, sharing is only to normalize, right? Like, like I got a couple messages that were like, congratulations. And I was like, that's a weird thing to congratulate me about. Um, yeah, tell me, because we talked about this, but if you could describe again, like, what what kind of goes through your mind? I mean, it's very sweet that people are saying congratulations. Yeah. Much better they're saying congratulations than saying, how dare you do this? Yes, very um, much so. But so what is it that goes through your head in, the, in a congratulations on that? Well, because Daniel didn't really accomplish anything other than being transgender. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, it's kind of an odd reason to be in a magazine, right? Like, yay, you're in people because you're transgender. Or like, yay, you're in people because you support your transgender child. So it's like this weird universe to live in. Um, you love your child and support them. Yay. Wow. Like, Radical. okay. Um, <laughs> and, so, and so when I get the, when I, when people are like, congratulations, what an accomplishment. I think the only accomplishment I had was that I birthed a child that was transgender. So yay for me, because I love him. Um, but like, we really didn't do anything remarkable. So it's like this weird thing. So usually what my response will be like, thank you so much. We hope our visibility will, will help create change. Because I right. think that will reframe it. Um, but again, that's my trans agenda, right? Like, you know, that I, like I carry it with me always. So... Uh -huh. Um, and when I always giggle when people are like, it's their gay agenda. Yes, because we want, we want progress. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's been a whirlwind and it'll be a flash in the pan. It's like when we were on CNN and all of a sudden I was like bombarded for 48 hours and I had to turn off my phone, but I You're think. You're briefly a meme. <laughs> it was uh. a meme. Uh. So what. You know, when, so for going public, I mean, I know, and I will say for anyone who's thinking about going public, I highly, highly, highly recommend, um, HRC has a really good, um, booklet on deciding whether to go public for LGBTQ families. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and it lays out what some of the issues are, some of the concerns, some of the benefits. So you've talked about some of the benefits of like, you know, it does give, it gives great visibility. It gives a chance that someone may see someone who looks like them and realize, wow, it's okay that I am a trans kid. Mm -hmm. um, but what are some, like when you were having to think about it, what are the downsides you have to think about when you agree to something like this? I mean, some parents have talked about that they've received death threats. Uh -huh. um, you know, clearly you're worried about safety. Uh -huh. You're worried about doxing, which is when people 
you, there's different websites where trans pa trans people and then parents of trans youth can get doxxed and it's for it's where like they go like put someone's information out and then everyone on there has this agreement to go and like harass them virtually online um so we pay for a company to remove our information um often from the internet um like private like phone address stuff like that um you have to worry about safe. I mean, safety is the big one. Safety. Yeah. I often think about how it will impact our small business. Yep. I can't say that that's not a worry. I do. I do really worry about that. Um, yeah. But then I think. I mean, I sh I shouldn't worry, but it is a worry. Um, and. It's like all in the name. Like I refused to use a pseudonym that s seemed like it just seemed like a betrayal kind of to who we uh -huh. are. Um, and I was like, these haters don't use fake names. So I'm going to use my name. I'm not going to be ashamed um, or afraid. And but yeah, there's a lot to consider. And it's not for everyone. Right. Like. Right. And. And Daniel may decide, like, damn it, mom, why did we do this? There, I will tell you that um, I think I did tell you I had a nightmare like three days before it was supposed to come out um, uh -huh. where I was literally sitting on a, like a couch with myself. And I was like, what the fuck were you thinking? Like, what were you thinking, Lisa? And my other self was like, I don't I don't know. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> So, like, I'm terrified all the time when we make these choices to be out. Um, yeah. Yep. But I also, like, I always remember that, like, when Harvey Milk was like, call your parents. Call yeah. your parents. Call them. Like, to know you is to vote for you. And, like, I think about the power of proximity and that that's my motivating factor is, like, I will tell you that for the first time this week, I cried the other day because I had friends sharing my my posts about trans people and how to like affect change. Uh -huh. I had people actually sharing it that had never shared it before. Oh. I, I had people sharing my posts that about like the rollbacks in trans care that they've never shared it before. My my sister's mother-in-law has now like ever since the people thing came out she has started sharing like all my posts about and she was like protect transgender people and like i've never seen that before in all of my years sharing daniel's inf like sharing stuff and advocating for trans people. I've seen the normal, like, you know, the parents and the allies and people in community, they all share it. But I've never right. seen, like, people who are outside of the movement from that are friends on my page actually share it. And I started crying the other day because I was like, oh, my gosh, Chewy, like, people are sharing our stories, like, sharing my, my stories that matter, like, rollbacks. Like, I want people to know that this is happening to trans people and to fight for them. Um... And, you know, they're sharing the NCLR stuff I'm posting or Saga stuff. And so that's when you see the impact of visibility. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then I told you that I hated the extended online article. <laughs> and Daniel yes. was like, let's pretend it. Let's just like, don't share it, mom. Like, don't post it. And next thing you know, it's like, I'm getting tagged on Twitter. I had um, a college friend, Erica, who opened her like Google Chrome page. And it's like the little square on the news, you know, how gives you like the news tiles. Uh-huh. Um, and so there we were in that news tile. You were a news tile? I was a news tile. Congratulations. And so <laughs> she screen grabbed it and was like, I didn't know you were famous. And I was like, oh, shit, Daniel. We wanted to ignore the extended online article, but we have become a tile. <laughs> I'm getting tagged on Twitter. It's the what's been the most shared online. And so, but... But what was funny is that Chewy was like, I hate the title. I don't like the extended version. It's choppy. It doesn't make sense. But people were moved by some of the quotes. And the way that they read it was different. Like, like it's a journey. Parents are learning. Um, So we, and so Chewy. Awesome. So in the middle of all of our chat, I totally missed that we were no longer recording. Um, cause we had hit our record time. And so the last segment ended about how we like Jose and I were, didn't really like the online extended article because it just didn't meet our advocacy c- parameters, but it really was that human interest piece that people are excited about and moved by. And so that's when you echoed, but then it did do what it was supposed to. So I have to take that silver lining. Yeah. Um, and then you and I had a longer chat, and I'll just be quick, about how my mom's been really supportive. I've shared. I've been vulnerable about that. And she was like, I may not always be there physically, but I totally back you in all of your advocacy work, which meant a lot to me. One of my sister-in-laws who's difficult or was difficult called Jose and apologized and was like, hey, I'm so proud of you and Lisette, and I want to be an ally. So that's amazing. Um but yeah, so that's, and we talked a lot. And I think we talked like a full 15 minutes before I realized it wasn't recording anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Um, before we end, I want to touch base with you, like, because you've been working in the middle of a pandemic and providing health care for kids and teens and you go up to 21, your patients, right? Yeah, well, some of them. Um, Wait, are we on right now? Yeah. Oh, hello. I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. I did a quick minute 48 wrap up on what oh, we okay. have been talking about. Um, but I wanted to ask you, like, what are ways in which we can still keep being mindful of the fact that there's a pandemic? Our state is number one in terms of spread and outbreak right now. We're number one. We're number one. <laughs> Rachel Maddow was mad at us. Um, I'm sorry, Rachel. And we were like, we were like the, we were a big talking point in what, like USA Today or something? Yes, so, we've been a big talking point in a lot of places because our increase was more than anyone else in the country last week. Yeah. So what are ways that we can still be mindful, careful, what do you want to talk about or like at least so, tell us about this it's so 
when the world around you is completely opening up, the original plan was we would flatten the curve. Um, we would isolate everyone so that we would have time to come up with a plan for what to do next. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we didn't use our time in time out very wisely. Right. We did not think about what we were doing. And instead, we just hung out in time out being angry and then got out of time out. Um, this is where my pediatrician-ness kicks in. I <laughs> um, and so now the world has opened up around us. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the important things we do are things that really have to be done on an individual level, which is wear masks. Um, the initial information about masks was just flat out wrong. Um, it was put out there because we didn't have enough masks. So the CDC didn't want people buying masks and then not having masks in hospital settings, stuff like that. But masks are important. And it doesn't even seem like it has to be a specific type of mask, but wear masks. Mm -hmm. Number two, hand sanitize, hand sanitize, hand sanitize, wash your hands. You know what? You Yes, you can do the 20-second hand wash which is the first three verses of Baby Shark um, or whatever your song of choice is. Um, use hand sanitizer. Make sure you're wiping it everywhere, up the wrists, all around, and then letting it dry. Um, don't, uh, if you need to touch your face, hand sanitize first and then touch your face. Um, try to you know, don't be in big crowds of people unless you absolutely have to. Um, I was real. I have to say really, really impressed at that protest, the number of people who were wearing masks and the percentage was above 99% of people I saw. And there were nurses there handing out masks. Yes. Yep. Which, Which is so, so responsible. Yeah. And so was, responsible. And there was a man on a bicycle handing out little vials of, of hand sanitizer. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so hand washing, wearing your mask, avoid, and it's especially avoid indoor spaces where you are close to other people um, for an extended period of time. Uh, I'm still, I love movies. I'm still not going to be going to movie theaters. Mm -mm. I love restaurants. I'm still not going to be going to restaurants. Um, I still don't have lashes and nails because <laughs> I refuse. So I, um, I've been getting my haircut because my barber um, works out of his house and he wears a mask the entire time. Um, and I've seen his sterilization before and after. Mm. Um, and he's, he really, the guy looks at stuff and he learns it and it's awesome. Um, and so I feel like some of those things, like if you've got someone who does eyelashes and nails, who it's their own space and it's just the two of you, that's probably, and you wear a mask, um, it's probably not huge, huge risk. And she wears a mask. Um, yeah, I just feel like that sort of luxury is not appropriate in the middle of the apocalypse. <laughs> Are eyelashes really a luxury, though? 
I mean, I love my lashes, but and they I do definitely. feel like a luxury. But yeah, no, like I have to keep reminding myself, like we are in a pandemic. The world is on fire. Yeah. Priorities. Yeah. Um, uh, and in case anyone thinks I really was like, oh, everyone should get their lashes done. We actually have an ongoing joke about about lashes. So. <laughs> Um, and I think that still doing a lot of the same things of, you know, going um, to grocery stores and stocking up a week at a time or using delivery services. Um, I don't I think there was stuff at the beginning that turned out really not to be true about like having to leave boxes outside for three days at a time and spray them down. And the truth is, um, I read an article, I loved the, this public health person's description of it, that honestly, to get transmission from a box, the person delivering it would probably have, they'd have to be infected, cough on it with no mask outside your house, hand it to you, and then you scratch your face with the box. Okay. In order to have enough. So... I mean, I think there's some, what we need to look at whatever the newest information is, because there's a lot that wasn't good at the beginning, but a lot of it is just basic, the stuff you would probably do during flu season, but even more so. Yeah. Okay. Um, and this, and also we need to start adjusting our mindset that for the time being, this is the new normal. Yeah. That finally, and it may, and the and the time making may be really a long time. Yeah, it finally sank in. I told you that like end of the world shit terrifies me. Uh huh. And the first two weeks, I was like, Drew, right? Two weeks. I kept looking at you for like affirmation, and you were like, No, it's like yeah. gonna be a long time. <laughs> and I was like, Um, I'm gonna live with my head in the sand because this is terrifying. And um, it finally just sunk in. Like this is normal. We're going to wear masks. We're going to do all the precautionary steps that you just stated. I actually wipe everything down uh -huh. like you would fruit with, yeah. you know, like when we, if we get takeout, I wipe everything down with disinfectant <laughs> and, you know, but, um, yeah, no, this is it. The other day, Daniel told me, mom, the world is boring and it's bad. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. I, I, right now, yeah. It's boring well, and, and it feels bad. <laughs> for me personally, I do really badly with times of limbo. Um, so like when I've had a job and I've quit to take another job, um, that the time during the two or three months notice, it might as well be 10 years. <laughs> um, because I'm like, okay, I'm just frozen now. And so I'm, I feel like I'm starting to get past that with this. Um, but yeah, it's our, it's our new normal. I sincerely believe masks are going to be a fashion statement for the next few years. Yeah. Having some, and having a cool mask that works is something people are going to want. Mm -hmm. And I think as we go along, we're going to see more of those. Um, and you can very easily go online and Google black owned stores, um, black queer owned stores and find ones that are making masks. Yes. And yes. cute t-shirts. Um, but it's really, but it's important to support those businesses right now. It really um, to is. Bring it all together. It is. Um, 
and all small businesses. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's so important that we, you know, keep going to that little restaurant down the street instead of a chain restaurant yeah. um, or ordering from them. You know, um, get get your art from directly from an artist, not from some chain gallery. Things like that. Yay! Yes. Um, uh, so I yeah, remember that, that Black Lives Matter, and we fight for Black Lives always. Because yes. I forgot to say that the last time, and I was like, "How did I forget that?" In the middle of processing all of the things that were happening. <laughs> so, I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate ex- you. Ex- Thank you for the extra sode. Yay! All right, bye everyone. Have a great day.